Good to be back uh, with you. Welcome to uh, Tim and uh, Linda. I don't think it was... Minus 40 today in my hometown. So nice to be in Florida. Uh, Turn with me uh, in your Bibles. We're just going to look tonight uh, quickly at uh, Psalm 107. And I don't know if this is just my uh, evangelist heart, but when I read this psalm, I it just struck me that um, we're going to look tonight at this passage probably in a little bit different way. But I think it uh, it really um, this psalm I think encapsulates what we as Christians will um, encounter in people and how the Lord allows people to go through certain things, and we'll talk about four of them tonight, and they have been my experience in people that are... um, God is preparing to come to the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 107. We're not going to read the whole psalm, but we're just going to uh, take some verses out um, this evening. And I want to uh, emphasize the uh, four types of people that um, that are ready to come to the Lord. And uh, again, I don't know if I just took this sort of out of... I know it's, uh, this would be used only in application, but I think it's the way I read this psalm. Uh, let's start in uh, Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north, and from the south. And uh, here's the first category of people. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of distress. And He led them forth by the right way, and they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. The first, and this is my testimony, by the way, the first type of people, and you know, I I, I say this in terms of evangelism. Brothers and sisters, remember something. You don't know what's going on in a person's life in most times, especially if you're, um, you don't know people, but you're witnessing to people, you have no idea what they're going through. You don't know what's going on in their life. But generally you will find that there are one out of four categories that God is preparing these people to come to Himself. The first one is the, uh, the dry and thirsty people. That was me. If you had looked at me, if you'd have known me 
you would have never known, and I mean this, the people closest to me never knew that I was uh, hungering and thirsty for truth. You know, uh, Solomon, in his book of Ecclesiastes, encapsulates a lot of uh, this type of people. People who seem to have it all. Health, wealth, happiness, and deep down inside they're empty. They they ask the question that Solomon asked. Is this it? It's like vanity of vanities, right? Chasing the wind. You know there's a lot of people like that. And sometimes as Christians we prejudge people. We look at people, for example, that they have everything. Why would they want Christ? People did that with me. But just remember, if God's at work, uh, that there are people you have no idea sometimes, but they're, they're searching because they've come up empty. They seem to be to have everything, but they really have nothing. Think of the, uh, you know, I'll give you an example in Scripture of the woman at the well looking for love in all the wrong places but coming up empty she was trying to find satisfaction in her life with men men disappointed her the Lord had an appointment on a day didn't he he must go through Samaria and on that day at that appointment that woman who had been looking uh, for um You know, you would never know it by the early conversation between her and the Lord, but there was an emptiness inside of her. Of course, the Lord, uh, the master evangelist, drew her to her sin and to her need. And uh, he talked to her about living water, that she wouldn't have to come constantly to this well. And you know what, folks? That was me. That's my testimony. Um. You know, I remember going and reading, um, before I was a Christian, reading in in John chapter 6. I memorized this shortly afterwards, but here was my verse for me that I think spoke to me more than anything. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me shall never hunger. Anyone who believeth in me shall never uh, thirst. And that was me. A lot of the people that you work with, A lot of the people that perhaps are your neighbors, a lot of the people that perhaps you're going to school with, are in this category. They're dry, they're thirsty, they're wondering about the meaning of life, they're wondering, is this it? You know, the number one uh, uh, that's taken over now, car accidents, the number one cause of young people's death in in America today is suicide. People don't know where they came from. They don't know why they're here. And they don't know where they're going. I tell you folks, how could you have peace when you don't have those answers to those questions? It's so important to, to, to be there. To, um, to be there with the gospel. And you have no idea how people will respond to it. Um, that's the first category. Um, the... Uh, the, the, the one of the people looking, they've got the social status, the finances perhaps, 
They're in good health and whatever, but they're coming up empty every time. Let's look at the second one, uh, verses 10 through 16. Such uh, as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contempt and uh, uh, the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Uh, and here's the second category. This is the one that I, I deal with in the prison ministry mostly, but that's the chains, the chains. People that are chained. You can be chained to, uh, you know, we talked about this on Sunday, addictions. It's a big factor in society today. A lot of young people are addicted today. You would, you, you, you might not know it, but they might, they they could be addicted to, uh, to, to, to drugs. Uh, alcohol was the, uh, was the drug of choice when I was a, a young person, but today, uh, there, there, there seems to be even more of a grip. Satan is using, um, drugs, um, like you would not believe. And like I was saying to you on, on Sunday in, in, in Canada, over 90, I think it's over 98% of those who are incarcerated are drug addicts or alcoholics, but mostly drug addicts. But remember, God can use that. Let me give you a little uh, story uh, I heard in prison uh, a few months ago. Uh, I was in there on a Sunday and... Um, this guy was like lit up like a Christmas tree. He was so happy. You could just, here I was, I was preaching the word of God and he was just lit up. And uh, he asked me if he could give a short testimony. Well, I was a little bit concerned because I didn't know what he was going to say. But you know what? When you're in prison, you really just try and, uh, you really try and let the guys open up. And this guy said, look, I'd just like to share what happened to me. Because what this guy is saying, he was saying me, what he's saying is true. Because of the gospel. He was uh, a guy that made $150,000 a year as, a, as a, a, an expert, uh, what we call a hard rock miner in our hometown. These people are paid very big money to produce. And uh, they work in dangerous situations, but boy, they make a lot of money. That was his case. He hurt himself at work, and he said he got hooked on Percocet, which is uh, a very addictive drug, an opiate. And uh, he was hooked within the first time he took it for pain. And uh, it got to a point that he was so hooked, he lost his job, he lost his wife and family, they left, he, he was such an addict. And like many other addicts, what he did is now he turned to crime. Here's a guy that was making $150,000 a year. All the toys that you could think of. A big house in the city of Sudbury. His wife had a big job too. They, and, and they were very successful in the world's eyes. Now he's an addict. He said uh, he, uh, he committed a crime. He got caught by the police. And in jail... He put his, he, he stripped himself uh, naked. He took his clothes, his shirt and that, and made, a, made himself a noose. 
He stood up on the stool in his jail cell and he jumped off. And he hung there for almost two minutes. And he knew that he was, he was probably within another minute or so of dying. And the thing broke. While he was on the ground, and this is his words, he said, God spoke to me. And he told me that he spared my life. And now I was to serve him. And he said, I've never been the same since. And I'm, I, you know, and this is a guy who is now going to be spending hard time in jail, meaning that he's probably going to get over two years because of the crime uh, that he committed. See that? What addictions do. But you see what God can do. Greater is he that is, than is in, in us, he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, I was with my two grandsons um, a couple of weeks back, and we were in a restaurant in Toronto, and um, a guy came up. He was probably oh, 21, 22 years old. And he came to our table and asked for uh, money. And um, I gave him a few bucks, but I, I wanted to point an object lesson to my grandsons. I said, you see that guy there? As he went up and went to the cash and, and ordered some food. I said, you see that guy there, boys? You know what's wrong with him? And they said, no, the, the grandpa, I don't know what's wrong with him. I said, he's an addict. I said, how do you know that, Grandpa? I said, I can tell by his sniffing. <laughs> he's an addict. He's, 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 he's addicted. And I said, you see what he's reduced to? He's reduced to begging. And he said, if, he, if we don't give him any money, and I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, I'm not, that's up to you. Because you will feed their habit, for sure. But you know what they're going to do if you don't? They're going to they're commit a crime. That's a guarantee. That's how addictive... Uh, drugs are but you know what the Lord sometimes allows people to get into that situation for the gospel and um, so you see there are people that are on the top of the scale um, that perhaps are uh, from all outward appearances look uh, perfectly uh, like they're not interested, but you don't know that. And secondly, there are addict, uh, uh, addicts. But you know what? It's not only just addictions to that. I mean, we think of the, uh, the Lord Jesus here uh, going in Matthew, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, to uh, the man of the Gadarenes. You remember that? That's one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible. A storm comes up. Now, you know, some have said that, why did that storm come up? Here's the Lord. He, he was on a mission. He had someone to meet, just like he did in John chapter 4 at the woman at the well. But he knew there was a, there was a, there was a man who was chained, and God had an appointment with him, Jesus Christ, and he went through a storm to get to him. And society, what do they do with addictions? Listen, folks, I always tell people this. And I tell people in jail this. You know the programs they have? They fail 99% of the time. Did you know that? With addicts and alcoholics and that? 99% failure rate, yet they still do them. The only success 
and it's around 75 to 80 percent of when people uh, take a Christian rehab course, like Teen Challenge and things like that. They're at about 75, 80 percent for those who are addicted. So it's incredible, isn't it? How Satan operates today. But the Lord Jesus went and the man of Gadarenes was, was loosed and his chains came off and he was set free. And only Christ can give us the power to be set free from addictions. And there are many other types of addictions, right? There's sexual addictions. I've met a lot of young people and, 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 and men and, and, and women that are addicted and I, and I mentioned this on Sunday to the Internet. They're addicted. And you know what? I always tell parents, don't bury your heads, parents. Don't bury your heads in the sand. If there's one area you better get a control of of your kids, is that area there. You make sure. Don't, oh, you know what, everything's all right. They're on the Internet and, you know, no. You be very, very careful. Because I could give you case history after case history where young people have been hooked on either pornography or, or whatever, on the Internet. And we need to be very careful about that as, as parents and grandparents. Uh, something to consider. Um, the other one uh, is found in uh, verses 17 to 22, but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses here. And this is another type of person that... Um, uh, it says here in verse 17, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted, and their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Now here's another one, and this is another opportunity for us, and that is when someone gets sick. We, we pray for people that are sick, but we're much more interested, really, aren't we, in terms of evangelism, people that are sick and that are not saved. And oftentimes God will use that. And I use the example of my mother, who was saved on her deathbed, who told me on the day that, well, probably two days after I got saved, I told my parents I was saved. My mother said to me this, and my mom didn't, was never minced words. She said, Tony... Don't you ever talk to me about that stuff again. And my mother, when she said it, she meant it. But you know, the years passed. And um, my mom really um, became softer, much softer than my dad, to the, to, the, uh, to the Word of God. I invited her out to the chapel whenever I was speaking. And uh, she often came. And when we'd have uh, uh, speakers come in, uh, special speakers and I thought she might be interested in oftentimes my mother would come but with no sign that she was uh, getting any closer to the things of God until, until my mom got the big C word diagnosis and isn't it interesting that you know my mother and how God orchestrated this my mother wanted to die at home she knew that she didn't have much time left and the only way that that could happen because she, her kidneys were no longer working she could not void anymore, uh, was my wife, Rose, Rosie, is a, a, a nurse, registered nurse, and Rosie said, I'll take care of her in her home because she had tubes that had to be drained every, every uh, several hours. On the night 
that uh, my dad called the priest in to give my mother her last rites. Rosie and I were there. We didn't think she was going to make the night. And the priest came in, gave my mother uh, last rites, and then he went out and had a drink in the living room with my father. And this is, the, this is exactly what happened. Rosie and I went in to... She was, Rosie was going to change her tubes again. And uh, I asked my mother, just point blank. She was sort of in and out of consciousness. I said, Mom, do you know where you're going? And my mom said, no, I don't. I said, would you like to know, Mom? She said, yes, I would. And there she, on her deathbed, Rosie and I led her to Jesus Christ. She, she knew, she agreed she was a sinner. She said, Tony, afterwards, she prayed a little prayer with me. She said, Tony, I, I heard all this when I was a little girl. And I talked to you about the Salvation Army the other day, where my mother heard the gospel, you see. And um, Rosie and I, she asked us to sing Amazing Grace to her right in their bedroom. And we did, and I can just imagine what that priest was thinking out there. But I didn't care. And my mom was got uh, gloriously saved. And uh, I was able to preach the gospel. My, she told my dad, much to his dismay, that if, if Tony doesn't preach at my funeral, then I don't want to be buried uh, at the Catholic Church. 600 people. And I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ because of my uh, mom. Uh, giving me permission to do so. Isn't that wonderful? My sister, 35 years old, stomach cancer. Unheard of, by the way, in women. Had, um, you know, and um, it was the only way God could get her attention. And sometimes that's what God needs to do. And we need to be there. We need to be there uh, at that time uh, for people like that. So people that are uh, thirsty, people that are uh, empty in their lives, even though they seem like they have everything, people that are perhaps addicted, they're enchained, maybe even enchained to their past. I know a lot of people that they have chains around them. It's their past. They can't, they can't think ahead. They just go back. They might have been abused as a child or whatever, and they're chained to it. And only Christ can set a person free like that, right? And then, fourthly, let's look at, uh, at the last one. It says in verse 23 to 32, and again, just uh, quickly here. Uh, Others went out on the sea in ships. Uh, they were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful de uh, deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up the tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In, the, in their peril, their courage melted away. And um, I like what the, uh, the King James Version says here. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Folks, this is the fourth category. These are people who are at their wit's end. And people that are at their wit's end, generally I categorize this as friendship evangelism. Because when people are at their wit's end, who are they going to call? 
Yeah, they're going to call on Christ for sure. But they're going to call on you. If you have been faithful, you have lived a life, you let your light shine, because sometimes people wonder, you know, I'd never really get an opportunity with a person. I had a, a fellow that uh, uh, called me uh, last winter, I believe. It's a, it's, a, it's a guy that I knew, you know, fairly well. Uh, had played a fair amount of sports with him. Uh, he was actually closer to my son than to me, and clo- certainly closer in age. And he called me, and I, I, I said, well, look, if you meet me at the... Because I figured he wanted to come in for uh, an examination. So I said, well, look, I'm booked, but if you come early tomorrow morning, I'll see you. I'm there at 7 in the morning, so come and meet me. When he came, he had no intention of uh, being examined. What he wanted was to talk to me about what I had that he didn't have. You know why? Because his life was coming apart at the seams. He was at his wit's end. I didn't know that. But he shared with me that his marriage was falling apart. His wife was getting ready to leave him. And um, he said, Tony, I've been watching you and Tony Jr. for a long time. I know you have something that I don't have. What is it? You see, folks, listen, you have no idea how important it is that we keep our testimonies. You have no idea how important it is. People watch you. You know, what we should do and be reminded of is this. We, you know, because sometimes we, um, we forget, but God makes it known that we are Christians. And these are people perhaps you're working with. These are people perhaps that are your neighbors. They might be in your own family that are not saved, but they're watching. And when they get to their wit's end, when they get to their wit's end, they have no more resources. That's when they're going to call you. Let us be ready for that. Let us pray for that. You know, you, 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 you hate to pray, Lord, and I, I've heard prayers like this. Lord, bring that person to their knees. What should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? It's not a bad prayer, isn't it? Lord, bring that person to their wit's end. And uh, I can tell you, in my experience, in, in 30 Two years, I guess, now of being a Christian. This is the time, this category of people. The people that are at their wit's end are the people that I've had the most opportunity to share Christ to. So tonight, a little encouragement. You know, that God's at work. And uh, there's different people are there at different points in their life. And you might be the last person in the world to find out that they're interested in the things of God. Never, never um, write somebody off because they're not interested. You don't know that. And you have no idea. what When they go to bed at night, I used to have, a, a year before I got saved, sleepless nights. Christ was working on me, speaking to my heart. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I didn't let anybody know. 
But you know how God arranges things. Where the gospel came in. And I was starting to uh, listen. And I was very interested. It seemed that every time I turned the TV on. It was either Billy Graham or, um, or another evangelist on TV. And I was interested. I was listening. I was hearing the word of God. And so uh, tonight. Anyways as I looked at this psalm. That's what I saw. I saw four categories of people in different uh, stages of life and uh, ripe, ripe uh, to get saved. Uh, Let us pray. Father, we do come before you, God, tonight, and we thank you, Father, for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, for these folks here tonight, and I pray that you'd bless them. Father, that we would be in tune to what you're doing. Father, that we would be constantly in prayer and on the lookout for people that are hurting. We have no idea, Father, in this crazy world in which we live. I was thinking of this verse today, Father, and I just uh, remind uh, myself of it. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining brightly in a world with uh, corrupt and perverse people. Father, we live in that world. We talked about it tonight. In a, in a world that just seems so crazy. And yet, Father, you're not uh, finished working. Father, you're, you're, the Holy Spirit of God is, a, is convicting men of, of, of their sin and their needs. Father, their emptiness. Father, would we be aware of these things? Remind us, Father, that uh, that we labor uh, in uh, our labor for the Lord is never in vain, Father. That we should never get grow weary of it. And Father, even sometimes when we think there are no results, we have no idea what's happening in so many situations. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.